there. We're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. The miracles of Jesus are some of the most amazing things found in Scripture, yes? When you look upon miracles, you look upon the miracles and we say, wow, look at what Jesus did here and wow, look at what Jesus did there. And what's the purpose? During Jesus' earthly ministry, he touched and transformed so many people. How many ever read a story and go, wow, I wish I could have been there? I wish I could have been a fly in the wall in that room. How many times did I read a story in the scriptures and go, man, if I could have just been on that boat. Oh man, if I could have just been in that room. When Jesus looked over to Thomas and said, put your hand, and he showed, I, could have, I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have been there when they were lame people uh, that could not walk their entire lives. Jesus would touch their lives and they could walk again. The blind who were born blind, all of a sudden they could see again. I wish I could be in those places. And you know what? I've seen miracles in my life. I have. But, but sometimes I read these miracles and I go, Wow. Jesus Christ touched and transformed so many lives. Like other events with Jesus, many, many eyewitnesses were documented. The four Gospels, as we gave you that handout here this morning, the four Gospels record 37 miracles that Jesus performed. 37 miracles. With Mark recording the most miracles out of all the Gospels. We gave you that handout so you can take a look at some of those things that took place. 37 times, just 37 were recorded. And I say just 37 because that's a small number considering what John tells us about the miracles Jesus made and did. We look at John, John 21, 25, as I talk about being bigger than the storm. That's the title of this morning's message, Bigger Than the Storm. John 21, 25 says this, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would have been written. Just process that for a minute. Jesus wasn't just in and out of lives. He was in and changed lives. There's people that are in lives. How many ever met somebody that they're a part of your life, but they change you in a negative way? Right? We have people that change in a negative way. Jesus entered lives and he changed them forever in a positive way. That gives us a mapping for us today that we ourselves should be the hand of God. The world could not contain the books that have been written. I just, that blows my mind. Miracles. When I thought about these miracles, when I thought about doing a series like this, I said, you know what? The miracles matter. But why do miracles matter? Why do miracles matter to us today? Well, I'm glad you asked that. And I'm glad there's a word on the screen that says that. Miracles in Scripture are acts of God to proclaim the sovereign power over this earth. He continues to show that he is still ruler and reigner over his creation. 
When Jesus walked the earth, he walked the earth making it very clear to those around him that he is in charge. Now he did it in a humble way, yes? Uh, that is unless he faced people who were religious. Did you ever read through the Gospels and realize he's a lot harder on the church people? I read the Gospels and I go, wow, Jesus, like, man, you really laid into them. It's not a secret sensitive thing when you go into churches and start flipping tables. Right? That's not secret sensitive. That's not telling the, 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 next, the first time visitor, welcome to freedom, and you're flipping tables and stuff. Like, what's wrong with that guy? He's violent. What, what's, what's going on here? But he wasn't like that with non-believers. He was with that with those who claim to know. Why? Because he holds us to a higher standard. He holds us at a place where we have to realize that there are things we're responsible for. And the reason why, for instance, Jesus did turn those tables over is because they were responsible for something that they neglected. And when we neglect what we're responsible for, the, 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 the God speaks. He corrects. He straightens us out, and he tells us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. Sometimes we go to church, and we just, I want to hear something positive. I want to hear positive things too, but guess what? I want to grow, and I don't grow by just hearing positive. I need to grow by hearing things I need to do better, and sometimes people volunteer that information. Okay, three people got that. Miracles are often significant through scripture because they, are, they serve as a larger purpose to reveal not only God's redemptive plan, but God's character. How many know that when God creates a miracle and Jesus Christ walked through the earth, when he was creating miracles and blessing people and touching them, he was creating a dynamic and a DNA within the new church. He wasn't just creating miracles to create miracles. He was creating a new mindset that we need to be about the Father's business. And he even said that once. He wasn't just doing miracles to do miracles. He was, he was broken by their brokenness, yes. But guess what? He was also revealing his character. He was revealing that he is a redeemer. He was revealing that they need him. That we, we need him. And every single one of us in one way, shape, or form realize the authenticity of God's messengers are found by them following through by what they say. You and me. You are, some of you are the only Jesus people will ever see. Is it accurate? Is it distorted? I'll leave that to you to decide. But God wants to bring revelation to people. And when Jesus walked the earth, the miracles matter because every miracle pointed to the character of God and it also pointed to God's redemptive hope for all mankind. And in that, we look at why did he do this? Why did he create miracles? Why did he heal people? And what got them that healing? Because like you, I have prayed for people that were not healed. I prayed for people that were healed Bonafide, doctor confirmed, healed. I prayed for people that were bonafide, not healed. But I realized that healing sometimes is a process. 
but also healing is his judgment, not mine. I can claim and believe, and that that's what he calls us to do. We want to believe every time we pray. Come on, somebody. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We want to believe that this is an instant, that God, you, you're going to set this person free. You're going, to break, you're going to break through these things in their lives, and we can speak those things. There's nothing wrong. Look at me. There's nothing wrong with speaking into somebody's life and prophesying over them, saying, we believe that your greatest miracle is on its way. But God is still sovereign. Jesus' miracles were intimately bound with his message. He wasn't just preaching one thing and doing another. They were all intertwined in realizing that all of God's plan is wrapped up in this. You can't walk, now you can. And let me tell you what, when you go out, don't tell anybody because you know what? They're going to chase the miracle and not chase me. There are people that jump conference to, look at me, there are people that jump conference to conference, revival to revival, and they never set foot in the local church and get activated, and all they're doing is hitting buffet to buffet to buffet to buffet to buffet, and they never get rooted in the church. Let me tell you something. The moment you start doing and doing and doing and doing that and doing that and never being and in the same respect, being and being and being and never doing, neither of those are right. And there are people that hop place to place to place to place to place, and they never do anything what God has given them. Jesus was very different. When he healed them and he touched them, he gave them instructions. Go and don't tell anybody, or go and be healed. Go and sin no more. He gave them instructions. Why? Because he doesn't leave you empty-handed. That's the God I serve. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The, his good news was that, that God was exercising his kingly rule, that is Jesus, was exercising God's kingly rule on this fallen, broken earth. And I want us to be able to, in the next couple of weeks, as we approach even Easter, uh, this is not part of our Easter series, we'll get to that at some point here in the next couple of weeks, but we realize that Jesus performed miracles for several reasons, Right? Number one, first, the miracles of Jesus demonstrate his lordship. In fact, John tells us that, and Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but they are written so that you may what? You may what? Believe. I love telling people, start with John. Don't start with Genesis or Revelation. You come to Jesus, don't start reading Revelation. There's people that tell me, I can't, I, I love it. Th listen, that's great. And that is an inspired book that will encourage you. But start with John. Know why Jesus did what he did. Know what he did. And guess what? Read that and know that that was written so that people may believe. So John was written so that people would believe. And then it goes on to say this, that Jesus is a great teacher, a wonderful man, a great religion to base your faith off of? No, not just that. Something far greater than that. The Messiah. Come on, somebody. The Messiah. There are people right now that are still waiting for the Messiah, and they didn't realize he came. He came. Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Messiah came, the Son of God, that thy believing that, that by believing you may have life in his name.
This can't get any clearer. Come on, somebody. It can't get any clearer than what John just put out for you. He's saying, listen, this was written so that you may believe he's present, he's here, he's active. Who needs him? He's here. He's active. He's Lord. Second thought is simply this. The second uh, is that Jesus' miracles also provided confirmation of his message. Jesus didn't just preach that God wanted to heal. He was healing. He didn't just preach about his healing. He walked as the embodiment of healing. You ever met somebody that's so toxically awesome? Like you want to be like them. You're like, man, I just want to hang out with you. Can I just carry your Bible? Can I just be around? You ever met somebody like that? That they just, they just ooze Jesus. They just ooze the love of God. And you're like, can I just sit next to you? Can I just, I don't want to say anything or I just want to sit next to you. There are people that carry that anointing. And, and Jesus, Jesus wasn't just healer. He was healing. And the, the disciples that were around him, they were oftentimes, they were questioning because they, they, everything that they had thought they knew, <laughs> Jesus kind of moved that around. They knew certain things about God. They knew certain things about the culture. But when Jesus was around, they were like, Master, what should we do? Master, how should we do? What do we do here? What do we do? Like, Jesus makes you question some things in your life. And that's a good thing, yes? Because when we're left to our own selves, let me tell you something. When you say something and walk in it, you stir up heaven. And Jesus stirred heaven constantly. That's what made little children run up to him. That's what made adults come to him and say, Master, Master. They're like, don't bother him. And they will go, Master, Master. They will go even louder. Why? Because I don't care what you think. I need to get to him. Z Zacchaeus, rich man, climbing trees. You climbing trees when you're rich, you know you affected somebody. If you got rich people climbing trees just to get to you, Zacchaeus was short and rich. I'm one of those two. Guess which one? Don't answer it out loud. Just pray. When you start affecting rich people and they start climbing trees just to get your attention, you know you did something right. Because Jesus carried the message, but guess what? He was the message. Jehovah Rophi. The God who heals. Jesus didn't just preach heaven. He embodied heaven. I love it how um, in Acts 14, 3, the references for this purpose in light of the ministry of Paul, and he's hanging out with Barnabas. How many know Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas did some things for Jesus, right? So Paul and Barnabas, you can find this in uh, Acts 14, 3. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. It wasn't just Jesus doing signs and wonders, friend. When you start following Jesus and following his word, there are things that God does through you, yes? Hello? How many believe still that God works miracles? He still uses us. Even in spite of us, he still uses us, right? Here Jesus found himself. Every time he was walking, there was somebody that come up. Master, rabbi, 
come. Just speak a word. Others would say, come. You know, the miracles that were over and over again all displayed the confirmation of his message. And the third thing is simply this. The third reason why signs and wonders of Jesus was there was so that he would show limitless compassion. That's why this earth could not contain the number of books that should be written. Jesus has so much compassion. The writers couldn't even document all of them. They couldn't. There were so many things happening here and there, here and there. Things were happening. Things were there. Things were popping everywhere. Things were going on. And you know what? Only 37 was recorded in all four Gospels. Four people could only document 37 things because it was happening, happening. And guess what? You know what I firmly believe? I firmly believe that they were that the people that were following Jesus, the disciples, I believe that many of them could not document because they were, first of all, there were so many. Secondly, they were involved in the miracles. They were involved in the miracles. They walked with the rabbi and the master, and he was walking with them and showing them, and they were in awe, jaw-dropping moments where lives were being changed. And I tell you what, the miracles of Jesus document. So let's go right into the miracles for a moment. Let me let, let me give this last um, let me give this last verse. Mark uh, Matthew fourteen fourteen. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, here is what it says. He says he had compassion on them and healed their sick. It didn't say some of the sick, but healed their sick. When I read that, I tend to believe that everyone there that was sick was healed. That's the way it reads to me. You don't have to read like that, but that's the way it reads to me. When it says that Jesus healed their sick. It didn't say that Jesus healed some or Jesus healed a few. It says Jesus healed their sick. Why? Because the gospel message brings hope. The gospel message brings healing. And Jesus was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Come on, somebody. The miracle. So let's talk about the first miracle here today. This is the, we're going to cover one miracle here this week. And the first miracle of Jesus we found in Mark 4. Turn to Mark chapter 4. If you got your Bibles, turn or tap to Mark chapter 4. If you got a digital, tap to Mark chapter 4 with me. I like old school. I like paper sometimes. Mark chapter 4 tells us something amazing. Beginning in verse 35, Jesus had been teaching and ministering to large crowds, right? Throughout the day when the evening came, Jesus decided to leave the crowds of people by taking several boats to the other side. He was at the Sea of Galilee. You can see Mark 5 for that. But we look at Mark 4, 35 to 41. During the trip, Jesus was exhausted. Why? Because he was always ministering. He got tired. I've been there. I did a burger burn yesterday. I was tired. Tell you what. Doing ministry, helping people, exhausting sometimes. Jesus took a little nap. How many know the naps are of God? Raise your hand if naps are of God. If you just woke up, good morning. It is not of God presently, but later, yes. So stay tuned, okay? Jesus fell asleep, and this event is great. Why? Because here's a reminder that Jesus is not just 100% divine. He's 100% man. He's fully God and fully man. And Jesus, just like us, became physically exhausted. He went to sleep. And here are some experienced fishermen 
right? These men knew what they were doing, knew what they were talking about, knew how to handle the situation, and stuff got rough. Everybody say, stuff got rough. Stuff got rough. So rough that these professional fishermen said, uh, Jesus, carpenter, rabbi, we need your help. Like, what is a carpenter going to do? Wait, let me build you another boat while I'm in the boat? That's skill right there. No, it wasn't the carpenter they were summoning. They were summoning the Messiah. They were summoning the king. Don't you care that we're about to perish? Don't you care that we're about to die? How many in this room have prayed that prayer before? Lord Jesus, don't you care? I can't pay this bill, Lord God, don't you care? That man is too much for me. Oh, Lord God, don't you care? This job is overwhelming. Don't you care? What does the miracles of Jesus, what do these miracles mean to us today? When Jesus was in situations and he created miracles, look at me for a moment. He wasn't just creating miracles, he was creating opportunities. He was creating opportunities for them to believe. Here he is at the bottom of the boat and the boats were crossing and, and chapter 4 verse 37 says a furious squall. A furious squall arose. The storm can be described in the following way. And Luke's gospel says, Luke came down, showed the storm what fell suddenly from Mount Hermon down to the Jordan Valley, smote the Sea of Galilee violently at its depth of 682 feet below the Mediterranean Sea. The hot airs at this depth drew the storm down and suddenly with power these sudden storms continue to this day. Love how that was put storm the hot and all the, the cold and the storm brew and it just came out of nowhere and here are these experienced men who've seen it all now are experiencing something that they had to lean on a carpenter messiah friend he came up and he started to talk to them but guess what Everything that they saw was supposed to prepare them for that moment. But then he said, oh, you have little faith. Why? Because we are faithful in training. Right? He says, oh, ye of little faith. In other words, what is he saying? Just try to believe a little more next time. And I think that God wants us to just, just try to believe a little more next time. There's times that my kid is at the table and he spills something. I'm like, oh, that's going to be sticky. That's going to leave a mark. And you know what I tell them? Just be a little more careful next time. And I believe God is saying, just believe more next time. Until then, silent. The storms came down. Every miracle that Jesus performed, you look at these miracles, there's something we can grasp. There's something we can pull from it. This intensity of the storm communicated to them that it is beyond them, yes? 
It is beyond their abilities, beyond what they can do. But guess what? Jesus never allows you to go into a storm without a way out of that storm. We don't always know that. We don't always believe that. But I'm telling you right now, he woke up and he saved them. And he said, quiet, be still. And you know what? I don't believe that Jesus was just talking to the storm. I believe he was talking to the disciples too. Be still. Why? Because I believe that every one of us have this innate ability to want to try to fix our own problems. Just be still. Just be still. If you're going to ask me to help you, just be still. If you're not going to speak to the storm, step back and be still. Because you have one of two choices when you face a storm. Right? You can face it or you can run. But the running is very important because you could run to him and ask him to be your guide. Or you could run away from all things. You could jump out the boat. How many know it would have been worse to jump out of the boat? And we laugh at that, right? We, that'd be ridiculous. Like, there's a storm. And like all the experienced fishermen are jumping out of the boat. Jesus is in the bottom like, what's going on up there? Stuff is getting bad. But how many people have jumped ship already that you know? How many people that you know used to go to church, used to have a faith, used to have a trust in God, have jumped ship? Listen. Be still. Either you're going to face the storm and speak to it, the way Jesus would want you to. Or if you're going to trust him, be still. Don't give him pointers. Don't give him advice. Don't help him. Just trust him. Because we want to try to fix all the problems and God's like, no, just be still. I got this one. You trusting me, I'm going to show you what it's like to have faith. And he does. Amen? An Ohio man's oil well caught on fire one time. And uh, it was a source of his wealth. He hold it very dear. And he offered, and as, he, as, as it caught fire, he contacted all the officials and he contacted people and he said, listen, listen, I need every fire department. I need all the emergency uh, personnel. Get them here. Listen, the first company to, to put this fire, I know that's your job. The first company to put this out, this is, this is my livelihood. This is, my, this is where I make my money. First company to put it out, fire department, put it out. I'm going to donate $30,000 to your company. Get out here. Turn this thing down. Turn this thing off. It's going to burn burn all, all my future, all my earnings, everything that I have. It was then that, the, uh, that all the fire companies started coming out. That's their job anyway. But as they were turning, there were people just stepping back. They couldn't get close to the fire. It was at that time that this little rinky-dinky small fire department with a rinky-dinky, uh, you know, a fire truck just came barreling through. Everybody had to move out of the way because here they come barreling through to the fire. And they, and they almost like crashed to the side of the building. They got out and they started having these giant blankets that were fireproof. And they started going over the fire and going over the fire. And they got closer than any of the other fire departments, even though they had the worst truck, the least amount of people. But they went in there. They started putting stuff out. They started putting stuff out. 
But they couldn't put it all out, and so they pulled out. And then the, the man that did that, he was so amazed by it. And he said, listen, who are you guys? And, and I just want to I, I give you guys. You guys got closer, and you put out a lot of this already. I think we're pretty close to getting it out. And you guys did the most damage. I want to give you guys the $30,000 donation to your fire company. What is it that you want to do with it? You know what he said? Get some brakes on that darn truck. Almost killed us all. You ever felt like you just slammed into a fire you didn't ask for? You tried to stop, but you couldn't. I think we've all been like that once in a while. Where we would have been like everybody else, parked at a distance and maybe be safe, be safe, be safe. But here this small fire department crashed and everybody's like, wow, you're so brave. And they're like, no, we need to, our brakes went out. We're going to use that money to get some brakes. You ever felt like life was like that sometimes? You just crash and you're like, what do I do now? I'm, a, I'm in the midst of a fire. I got to put some fires out. Well, guess what? Jesus says, speak to the storm because I'm bigger than the storm. Come on, somebody say bigger than the storm. I want you to know something. God is bigger than your storm. Don't forget he's in the boat. Don't forget he's in the boat. I want, to know, I want you to know something, something that I found very interesting. It's easy to deal with other people's problems and tell them how they should deal with their storm. Is that right? You ever had great words for somebody? You had a great encouragement for somebody? And then you went through something similar, you're like, what do I do? The best advice is your own. Take yourself out of the equation and say, if someone came to me with my problem, what would I say? It's hard to answer that, but, but the truth is that it's always easier to handle somebody else's problem because we look at uh, we look at different things in the passage here. We find out that demons were cast out, you know, with Jesus, right? When Jesus was with his disciples, you know that demons were cast out, right? And we also find out that Peter's mother-in-law was healed by someone else, right? You can look at that. Peter's mother-in-law was healed. That was someone else. Someone else is always getting the blessing. Someone else is always getting healed, not me. We look at the Many others were healed, the Bible says in another passage. In chapter 1, verse 40, a leper, someone else was healed. There's always somebody else getting a blessing. A leper was healed. A paralytic was healed. A man with a withered hand was healed. Always somebody else. Always somebody else. Why not me? God says, you know what? Just be still and trust me. If you're not going to speak to it, trust me, I'll speak to it. But one way or another, this thing is not going to be on you. The miracles that Jesus performed were miracles to showcase his goodness and the power in our lives. So watch this. Faith doesn't always make sense, but it makes miracles. Faith doesn't always make sense, but it makes miracles. Because faith is not tested until hardship is personal. Faith is not tested until the hardship is personal. So let me read this to you before I close here in just a few moments. Psalm 107 tells us this. They then cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and they brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper, and the waves of sea were hushed. 
God wants to hush your storm. But some of us are so busy complaining, we can't even hear his hush. He's there. He's there. Notice that after Jesus spoke to the winds and the sea, he asked the disciples, why were they so afraid and without faith? As followers of Jesus, friends, look at me. Our faith in God is not merely trust in him for our eternal destination, but trust in him through the present storms we're in right now. It's a constant state of trust. When the disciples woke up, or rather, when the disciples woke Jesus up, they asked him, don't you care if we drown? Listen, we all feel like that sometimes, yes? There's not a single body in this room that's prayed a prayer that was always full of faith. Sometimes we prayed a prayer that sounded a little like this. Man, Lord, what the world is going on? Anybody ever prayed a prayer something like that? Maybe not those exact words. But you ever prayed like, what is going on here? What did I do to deserve this? And Jesus is right in the boat saying, I got this. He's in the boat, and he says, I got this. When we turn to him in faith and prayer, the peace of God that will calm our hearts. So in conclusion, let me say this. The media team will help me out. Sometimes the sea life is rough, yes? The wind is strong. The waves are high. The boat is rocking. It's taking in some water. Your boat ever taken in some water? We all know what life is like, like this is like, but I want to tell you that from the start, some of our stories that you even heard today, my sister, she went through a period where she had to be still, but then God made a way. You had to pray for 20 years to get you two years, but you're here. Those are all stories, and storms happen, yes? Storms happen. Storms of loss and sorrow. Storms of suffering. Storms of confusion and storms of failure. Storms of confusion and loneliness and disappointment all happen. Storms of depression and uncertainty. Storms of thoughts and listen, listen the wrong voices. They can be a storm. Let me leave this thought with you for a moment. If you don't believe in miracles, perhaps you've forgotten that you are one. If you don't believe in miracles, perhaps you've forgotten you are one. The fact that someone would give their lives to Jesus, the fact that God would give his only son for you, the fact that you would turn around and say yes to Jesus, there's nothing short of miracles happening all over the place. It's not your scenario. It's the story you decide to tell. There's a lot of things that have happened to you, and many of you have gone through some serious trials that are bigger than you. Can I encourage you with this? Your scenario does not dictate your future. Write the story you want to tell. Write the story you want to tell. Because every one of us have a story we're writing every single day that we believe. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? We have a story we want to believe. Today, write your story that you want other people to read. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that the story we want to write is so much greater 
Thank you for the miracles that you created. Lord, even on that boat, even while you were sleeping, Lord Jesus, these men needed you and you stepped in. Father, I pray for those going through storms in this room. Those that are going through storms at the sound of my voice. God, would you be bigger than their storm? Would you be bigger than the voices? I pray that you would allow them to see the goodness of God. In Jesus' name we pray.